Yeah, so um, my buddy Mike was here this week, uh, so we got to hang out quite a bit, and he showed me this video um, that someone took on an airplane. It was before the airplane had taken off, and so everyone was, uh, you know, sitting down, and there was one guy who got there really late. Uh, and so you know how the, it is on the airplanes. Like once, uh, once the overhead bin is filled, they close it, right? And so you have to find the one that's still open to put your stuff in if you want to do carry-on. Well, this guy, uh, he, he, he kind of walks in, and at the back of the plane, there's still some things that are open. But he gets to his seat, and it's closed, and so he just opens the, the overhead bin, and he pulls out the stuff that's there. He puts it on the ground, and then he puts his stuff in there, and he closes it, and he sits down. <laughs> uh, Americans have not invented entitlement, but we have perfected it. And <laughs> I, I, part of me is really respects that move. Because, like, you, you've got to have a lot of chutzpah to, to pull that off and not, you know, worry that someone's going to deck you. This guy, man, well, he, you know, it was his seat, by golly, and, uh, you know, no one was going to put stuff in his overhead compartment. Uh, to, we've been in a series called Failing Forward. It's the life of Moses, and we've seen that over and over, Moses makes mistakes, bad mistakes, and he fails, but he does so in such a way that God sticks with him and helps him move forward. And we've seen that um, a lot of the, the same mistakes Moses makes are the same mistakes we make, and that we can depend on God to be the same way with us so that we can fail forward too. Today, it's not just Moses, but it's all of Israel. And, and, and they, they, they come across as a little bit entitled. Uh, so let's, let's read the text together. The rabble among them had a strong craving. And the Israelites also wept again and said, If only we had meat to eat! We remember the fish we used to eat in Egypt for nothing or for free. The cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. But now our strength is dried up, and there is nothing at all but this manna to look at. This is awesome. I love this so much. So Moses said to the Lord, Why have you treated your servant so badly? Why have I not found favor in your sight that you lay the burden of all this people on me? Did I conceive this people? Did I give birth to them that you should say to me, Carry me them in your bosom, as a nurse carries a sucking child, to the land that you promised on oath to their ancestors? Where am I going to get meat to give to all these people? They come weeping to me and say, give us meat to eat. I'm not able to carry all these people alone. They're too heavy for me. God, if this is the way you're going to treat me, put me to death at once. (laughs) If I have found favor in your sight and do not let me see my misery. (laughs) I mean... It's funny, you know, our, our agnostic and atheist friends are like, oh, the Bible is filled with, you know, all these crazy stories, and so I can't trust it. And I get where you're coming from. I understand that. Uh, and I, and I, I do believe what the Bible says is true. But you do have to admit, even if, you like, even if you're sus, sus, uh, suspect of all the, all the magic type stuff, dude, how honest is the Bible about human beings? I mean, how, like, this, this is like, this is humanity, the ultimate snapshot of humanity, Let's, uh, let's go through the text together a little bit closer so we can see it. The rabble among them, this is the Hebrew word for scumbags, okay? It is. It's like the Hebrew doesn't have a word that means scumbags. This is the closest thing. It's uh, the ne'er-do-wells, the, the bad, the, the not-so-good folks. These are the ones that you just can't trust. Um, and, and the idea is, the Hebrew there is a little weird. The rabble had a strong craving, and the Israelites also wept again. I think uh, the, the, what's trying to be accomplished there 
through the Hebrew um, language is, is, first off, there's all the grumblers, right? Those are the people who are not so good. They're the scumbags. And they start going around being like, gosh, remember what meat tastes like? Pretty good, right? This is awful. And they do this long enough. It's sort of like a viral campaign, sort of like a meme, right? And it, and it infects everyone. So it starts out with just the rabble, just the scumbag saying this. Pretty soon, everybody's saying this. They're like, man, if only we had meat to eat. Gosh, remember how great it was in Egypt? Remember how great that was, team? Oh, boy, we sure ate well. We had all that fish from the Nile, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, the garlic. But now, there's nothing at all but this stupid manna to look at. If you don't know, uh, what's happened is, um, so God has provided miraculously for the people of Israel. Every day they wake up and God has given them food to eat, manna. It's on the ground. All they got to do is pick it up and eat it. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. Uh, but this has been going on for a long time, decades probably at this point. And so the Israelite people are like, gosh, this stuff is... <sighs> Again. Remember when you used to be happy? I do. I, uh, I, had, um, I had this setup in Japan. I have a picture. It's not, this is not mine, but it's almost identical. So in Japan, the, the homes, uh, they're made out of paper on mountains, which is a terrible architectural choice, but it, it looks neat. But one of the things it doesn't do is it doesn't stay very warm. And so one of the first things I did with uh, my first paycheck is I purchased what's called a kotatsu. And what a kotatsu is, it's like a table that you sit down, because everyone sits on the ground there. They don't have, like, real normal tables. Um, they have fake ground tables. But it's also, not only is it a fake ground table, it has, like, a blanket that goes underneath the top layer, and it has an electric heater underneath. So you turn on the heater, and you sit down on the ground. You can see at the bottom left there, they have floor chairs, because instead of, instead of doing everything like Westerners, where they have a table that's lifted up and then chairs that have legs, they just took chairs and knocked the legs off. So now you can sit on a floor chair, and you, you put your legs underneath, and it warms you up during the, the harsh, cold winter months. Japan's also a big fan of convenience stores. They call them kombinis. There's more 7-Elevens in Japan than there are in America. And uh, kombinis are famous for having uh, cheap, easy-to-get food, such as cup noodle. And so uh, pretty much every day after work, especially in the fall when it was about this time of year, and, you know, they don't have daylight savings, so at about 5, 5 p.m., it's like pitch dark. It's freezing. The wind's blowing. And so I'd get underneath my kotatsu, and I'd flip it on, and I had a 32-inch CRT TV set with my PlayStation 2 hooked up to it, and I warmed up my cup of noodles with my—I had a water warmer thing that they used for making rice. And I'd fill that up, and I'd just sit there, and, and man, I was happy as a clam. I was so happy. I loved it. I was like, look at this, I have an electric table, keeps my legs warm, this is awesome. It never occurred to me to be like, hey, make better houses, you idiots. Like, I just, I was like, wow, this is fun, you know, I'm, here I am, I'm an adult living on my own, I get a paycheck, I can buy my own cup of noodles as much as I want to eat. Man, if you put me back there, I'd be mad. Now that I've tasted king-size beds, uh... If we have this thing in our house, it's called uh, central air conditioning. It's awesome. You just set it at 71, and it just never changes. It costs you about 1000 bucks a month, but, but it's really comfy. <laughs> True fact, uh, so your house is, like, freezing because there's no... So what they did is instead of, again, instead of having insulation, 
they, um, they make electric toilet seats. So you, I, you'd leave it on, so, and then you go, and you drop trow in like 3 in the morning. And it's like super warm. It's like, oh, warm. amazing. Like, okay. They probably have updated. This was 15 years ago. All I'm saying is that now if I went back to the way I lived then, I would be a wreck. I'd be miserable because I have become used to living like an, a, an actual human being, a first world Westerner. And so as a result, all the things that were normal to me and awesome then would be horrible now. Because I've gotten used to being blessed. Right? Israelites are marching around. Literally every day, like, magic bread appears. <laughs> and the, the, the Bible seems to indicate that it was, you know, pretty good, not amazingly good, but pretty good to eat. Like, they made little cakes out of it. It was sweet, but not too sweet. You know, so it was like, I don't know, if, like, if, like, if, you, if you just had, like, that, that 75% great meal, it's good, but while you're eating it, you're kind of like, I wish I was at, you know, Hannah's for that bone-in ribeye. So you're not in the bone and ribeye, but you're still, I mean, it's still pretty good. And after a while, they're like, I deserve better. You know? If you put me back in that house, you know, like, literally, I'd wear gloves at night. (laughs) I would be like, I deserve better than that. That's the first thing in your note sheets. Entitlement sneaks up on anyone who gets used to being blessed. Blessing, uh, it's crazy how gracious God is, and we, we forget it. We do. We forget how gracious God is. We forget how many good things God gives. We get used to them, and then we start to think that we deserve them. And when they're taken away from us, we get mad. Let's do a little entitlement check here. If we're like the Israelites, here's a couple questions. First question to ask yourself, what comforts could you not handle losing? Because, I mean, this really is, it's it's, it's basically a, a material question. And Americans, you have to be honest, like when it comes to material stuff, we are, we're out of the zone, like, blessed. And we get really, really used to the things that we have. And at a certain point, we, we depend on them so much that if they were taken away, we would, we would lose it. I spent the first 30-ish years of my life without the internet while I was going to the bathroom. If you took that phone away from me, I would lose my mind. But it seems like maybe that's a problem. Number two, what is something we haven't thanked God for in a long time? I, and now, now, I don't want to like point fingers here because it's true. If you were sitting around trying to thank God for everything that he gave you, you wouldn't get anything done. You would just keep going and going and going. You'd probably starve to death because you would, there would be an endless list of things that you could be thankful for. Nevertheless, there are a lot of things in our life that we really should like stop taking for granted. And we should be like, oh, I... Yes, thank you, God. That was, I didn't see that coming. Now that I have it, that was a really big deal. Thank you. And if we do that, then we remember that it doesn't really come from us. It comes from God. And we stop thinking maybe that we deserve it so much. Number three, what good things do we think we deserve? And I think, you know, part of this is because it's like, hey, I, I work hard. 
you know, especially for, for men who, who are professionals, women who are professionals. I work hard. I earn this paycheck. This is mine. I get that. I feel that way. But we have to accept the fact that in the grand scheme of things, you know, as hard as we're working, like, it's God who gives the increase. You know, Paul, he says, I, uh, I planted Apollos water, but God gave the increase. God's the one who blesses that work. He's the one who makes it happen. I know, I know, he uses your participation. You do have to put the time in. I get it. But ultimately, there's a lot of people in the world who put a lot of time and a lot of effort in, and they don't see anything. So that's Israel. Israel fails. That's their entitlement failure. Let's look a little bit closer at Moses' entitlement failure, which is, like I said, I just love it so much. Why have you treated your servants so badly? (laughs) First thing, uh, okay, so a lot of people, you know, last week were like, God's scary. You know, you've got to be honest about that. And that's true. But the Old Testament assumes all the way through that you can talk to God, like, honestly. You can be honest with God. You can say, well, this is actually how I feel, and I mean, because think about the way Moses, he's like, what have I done to deserve this? Kill me now! Like, that's a pretty, he's being pretty raw there. And it doesn't seem like God's mad about that. God seems to be like, yeah, I get it, you're human. That's that, yeah, that's tough. Personally, I think you're like a little bit over the top here, but I understand you need to get this off your chest. God seems to be very gracious to people and allows us to be as real with God as we need to be. So then Moses is like, you, you lay the burden of all these people. Did I conceive these people? Did I give birth to them? He's thinking about the past, right? And he's thinking about the past. Notice that the, the Israelites did the same thing. They thought about their past in Egypt, right? Well, Moses is thinking about the, the people that God's made. And he's like, you created Israel. It wasn't me. And Moses might remember, if you remember the very first sermon in this series, it was uh, about how Moses was going to be a hero, right? Moses was going to be the big savior of all of Israel. He was going to go, and he was going to liberate them from captivity. He was going to be the guy. And probably ever since then, he's kind of had like this vision in the back of his mind, like, wow, wouldn't it be great if I could be the one to really save this people? He had in his mind a happily ever after like vision of what life was going to be like. Right, And maybe this is something you've experienced too, where he's imagining, once I get Egypt off their backs, and I bring the people, and we start going to the problem, think how much they're going to love me. It's going to be awesome. I'm going to be kind of a great dude. And think how grateful they'll be for my work and my, and my service. They're, really, they're going to be falling all over themselves to, to just be like, you're the best, Moses. And Moses is looking, and he's like, God, that's not the way it turned out. <laughs> to the point, like, he's like, if you keep treating me this way, just kill me. Our uh, Disneyland passes are about to run out. By the way, uh, there's a lot of people who aren't aware of the fact that it's, but it is true. Disney, Disney is an evil, demonic corporation. It is, and uh, we all love Disney, and we love their movies and their theme parks. They're horrible. We're going to keep giving them their mon- our, our, our money. Next, week, next month, November 12th, Disney Plus starts. $7 a month, you get to have all the back catalog of Disney stuff. And more, Disney, Disney, they're going to they're own everything. I can't stand Disney, but I'm also in love with Disney, which is how the devil works. I get that. Anyway, so uh, our passes are about to... to to, uh, to expire, and we're, you know, we're at that point where Soren, he can, he can walk now, but he can't really think about where he's going. So going to Disneyland is going to be pretty tough. Not to mention the fact that they up their prices again, so it's like over $1,000 to get uh, one pass for the year to go to Disneyland, which is mind-blowing. 
So we're going to have one last hurrah on Friday. It's going to look like this. It's Halloween time at Disney. There's a big, there's a big uh, pumpkin Mickey. The kids are going to freak out. Uh, Soren actually knows who Mickey Mouse is because Disney Junior is pumped in 24-7 into our house. Sick, sick. So we have this vision, right? Aaron and I were talking last night. It's going to be so great. We're going to make memories with the kids. It's going to be so awesome. Can you just imagine how good it's going to be when we finally get there? Yeah, I can tell you what it's going to look like. It's going to look like this right here. For about, I know I've been, on this, I've been on this ride before, Disneyland. I know how this goes. Uh, so what's going to happen is uh, it's going to be the worst day of our week. Um, the kids... <laughs> I'm tired. My legs hurt. Well, okay, awesome. I, I don't want to go on this ride. I'm scared. Like, I'm hungry. Like, the baby, like, baby hates being in the car. He's going to cry all the way there. And then when our nerves are super frazzled, he'll cry all the way back. <laughs> he'll, like, slam on the brakes, like, ah! Okay. We also have noticed that uh, Disneyland is much better with friends if they have, like, children that are around the age of our kids. Because then the kids... Instead of fighting with each other and complaining, they have friends they can talk to. And so they're, they're less irritating. But as far as I know, we're going solo this week. So b- bad call on our part. Any volunteers? Like, please, please. Yeah, you're in. Shannon, bring the kids. We need help. There, Moses probably suffers from something similar where he's, he's like, he has his vision of what life's going to be like you know, when, and what he deserves it to be like. He's like, I've sacrificed so much for these knuckleheads, right? And all they do is whine and complain. This isn't how it was supposed to be. Next thing you know, she's entitlement sneaks up on servants and leaders who go solo and have unrealistic expectations. It's a true fact. I love church. Church is awesome. There is one bad thing about church. It's the Christians. Everything else is great. Um, that's a joke, but it's also true. We're a mess, all of us. And it's crazy how, you know, we, it's really easy for us to be like, to set our expectations of what good and holy and all this is on people. If you do that, I guarantee you, you will always be disappointed. It will not fail for you to be disappointed because human beings are broken and, and, and yes, God's Spirit does do amazing things and causes transformation, but it's a mysterious process. And it is not something that just is like a smooth, you know, sailing up to holiness. It's, it's fits and starts and two steps forward and three steps back. And, and if you're trying to, like, do all that solo, if you're trying to, to, to fix the world and fix church and fix your family and your life and you're doing all you... They're just going to start crying. It's going to make you mad. Entitlement check, the the Moses problem. Question number one, what present projects opportunity have disappointed you? Which people have disappointed you? Which groups have disappointed you? They didn't quite live up to what they were supposed to be. And you're like, meh. I deserve better from these people. I deserve better because I think of the, the work and the time I put in. I really sacrificed a lot, okay? Number two. 
What people projects have we given up on because they don't deserve us? Make a caveat here. Um, there are such things as toxic people and toxic situations and circumstances. I don't deny that. Also, some people can be very manipulative and can like, try to use you up and destroy you. It's not what I'm talking about here. What I'm talking about are people who are just normal human beings. Projects that are just normal projects, opportunities in life that, that you've taken on, right? But things didn't go right because everyone else around you is kind of a screw-up. And so you're like, eh, I, I, can, I can do better. Number three, what people projects are you handling alone? This is the going solo aspect. This is just your family going to Disneyland. It's much easier to go with others. Do you notice how Moses is all about me, right? He's like, what did I, did I, did I, 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 me, 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 I, me, I, I, me, me, me. And you're like, Moses, what, is there anyone else in Israel? Like, So, first the Israelites fail, entitlement, then Moses gets entitled. Now what, what God's going to do is he's going to deal with Moses' entitlement first, and then he's going to deal with the Israelites' entitlement. Um, in biblical studies, it's sometimes called a chiasm where um, you kind of like, you deal with one thing, number one, number two, then number two, then number one. So Israel, Moses, Moses, Israel, like that. And so here, let's hear what, uh, what God says uh, to Moses. So the Lord said to Moses, Gather for me 70 of the elders of Israel, whom you know to be the elders of the people and officers over them. Bring them to the tent of meeting and have them take their place with you. I will come down and talk with you there, and I will take some of the spirit that is on you and put it on them. And they shall bear the burden of the people along with you so that you will not bear it all by yourself. This is a really fascinating text. I will take some of the spirit. This is ruach, wind. Um, it's, uh, the, most translations won't capitalize S here. But I do believe that the Holy Spirit is, is moving in, in Israel. And the Holy Spirit has given Moses some gifts and set him apart, made him a leader, made him you know, kind of above normal people and given him some abilities that other people don't have. Well, what God says is he says, I'm going to take some of that from you, right? And I'm going to spread it around. And what that means is that Moses is going to decrease a little bit. What once made Moses so unique and special and above, now it's going to be shared by 70 other people. Elders really just being people who are known to be wise and can make good decisions, who are, who are useful. And, and what this is really, it's, it's a demotion. It's like, Moses, oh, you're, you're having, oh, Moses, me, 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 me. you want to die. Okay, well, here, here bud, let, let, me, let me take some of these gifts that I've given you, some of this grace, and let me share it with other people. We live in a world of likes and upvotes and shares. It's, uh, in 1995, Psychology um, Today, I think, had like this, 1995, mind you, had this article about how the culture of celebrity um, was, was destroying America. Because what people were doing is they were idolizing, you know, these movie stars. And, and they were like, hey, now that we've got CNN 24-7, it's worse than it's ever been, right? And people are constantly focused on themselves. This is 1995, okay? Let's update that for 24 years later when we've got, you know, Insta, Face, YouTube, uh, Switch, Twitch, whatever. When you've got all these different things going on, there is this, what, what once was a culture of celebrity has, like, gone through steroids. And it's gone absolutely berserk. 
everybody, to some extent or another, if you are involved in anything social media-like, you are involved in some kind of self-promotion, self-branding. You have to. Like, it, it's unavoidable. Like, you, even, if, even if all you did was post how terrible you are all the time, you would develop a brand for being terrible all the time. Like, it's just what it is. And the eyeballs that look at these things would be expecting you to be that person. We have taken the notion of celebrity, individualism, hero, and we've just like... The point now, the kids are like, I want to be a YouTuber. I want to be a a Twitch streamer. I want to... Here's this Matt Lees. Matt Lees. Cool hair, bro. Matt Lees had a rough go of it. He, uh, He did a viral video in 2013. It was basically like he just took some trailer of some movie that was coming out, probably Star Wars or something, and then like, and then just made funny comments, and he blew up. All the kids like clicked on his thing, and suddenly he's got like a million YouTube followers. Overnight becomes a celebrity, the kind of celebrity that nobody hears. We don't know who this guy is. Does anyone know this guy? Nobody. But a whole bunch of people under the age of 25 know him, and they've watched his videos. And suddenly he's like this, this huge celebrity, huge star, literally making like a million dollars a year. Just voicing over videos. Came with a price, though. Matt became uh, extremely depressed. He burned out. He found out that in order to be a successful YouTuber, uh, you have to produce content all the time. Because those viewers, they want consistency. If you give them an inch, they take a mile. And if you let them down once, they'll find somebody else. We can't let that happen, right? We can't. We, whoa, Matt, you can't, you can't share, you can't share the, the, the clicks. and You can't let the, the algorithm, the Google algorithm, send someone to a different video. You've got to keep making videos, buddy. You gotta keep busting your brand. You gotta be out there in everyone's face 24-7. And if you and if you drop it for a second, you're gonna fall apart. No one's gonna love you ever again. Matt. He quit. Now nobody knows who he is again. But he's happy. Which is nice. Our culture has um has absolutely well, it's, it's just given a ton of rewards to people who want to be the guy or the girl, who want to be the hero, who want to present the right image, who, and who are willing to go after it over and over and over and over and keep investing in it, keep going for it. There are a lot of rewards. There's also a huge cost. Because it turns out being a celebrity requires all of your attention all of the time. And that's what Moses learned, right? He was like, I, these people are too heavy for me. I can't ever, look, seriously, what are they complaining about? We want meat? They, they, everyone wants meat. What do they do? They're like, Moses, give us meat. Feed me. They're like, they're grumbling children. He's got an entire nation, like 600,000 people. We're all a bunch of spoiled kids. And, and, and they're used to it because every time they complain, he's like, fine, here you go. Yeah, I got you. He serves them in every possible way. He never says no to them. He, like, he, just, he, he does whatever they ask because he's the guy, right? He's the, the hero. He's the one. He can't lose that. God says, Moses, I'm going to take 
some of your gifts, some of your leadership, some of the great qualities, the spirit that I've given you, I'm going to spread that around. You need to take a step back, buddy. Very similar when John the Baptist says, I must decrease so that he, Jesus, might, might increase. Similarly here, Moses, the problem here is that they're going to you. They should be going to me. I'm God. You're just a dude. But you have coddled these people and you've been in their fa- and you, you've aggrandized yourself to such a point. We, you need to step back. Find me 70 more people. Let's have 71 leaders, okay? And then maybe you won't be such a, a prima donna. Seriously, when someone says, that's it, I want to die, that's a sign that they're a prima donna. It's the next thing in your note sheets. God helps Moses battle entitlement by making him share the limelight instead of hoarding it. So, uh, the Israelites were entitled, then Moses was entitled, God dealt with Moses' entitlement, and now God's going to deal with Israel's entitlement. And it is, again, tremendous. What a, Numbers 11, one of the best chapters in, in the whole Bible. You should all keep reading it. <coughs> this is what uh, God declares for the people. Uh, verse 18, And say to the people, Consecrate yourselves for tomorrow, and you shall eat meat. For you have wailed in the hearing of Yahweh, saying, If only we had meat to eat. Surely it was better for us in Egypt. Notice how God's like a little sarcastic there. Like, oh, boo, 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 boo. Therefore Yahweh will give you meat and you shall eat. Oh boy, will you eat. You will eat not only one day, not two, not five, not ten, not twenty. A whole month until it comes out of your nostrils and becomes loathsome to you. That's a Hebrew idiom. It means uh, it makes you vomit, Right? It comes out of your nose and nauseates you. <laughs> because you have rejected Yahweh who is among you and have wailed before him saying, why did we ever leave Egypt? Yeah, it was great there, huh? When you're getting beat. Where you were uh, slaves and you were oppressed and abused. Consecrate yourself. Uh, really, that probably means wash yourself, purify yourselves. It's similar to our verse of the month where um, sanctify uh, the, the word make holy or prepare yourself. The idea is that God's going to do something crazy tomorrow. And in order for you to be ready for like an amazing work of God, you should be in like a very prepared way. And so in ancient Israel, that probably would have meant ritual washing, something like that. For us, it would be like, you need to be in your Sunday best and you're, you know, getting ready. You, you prepare to be wowed. And what God, <laughs> what God does is he sends his spirit, it's usually translated wind, but I, I think uh, spirit's a better translation, to uh, bring a whole bunch of, of quail. And like he just piles up quail like feet deep so that everyone brings like 10 mounds of quail back. They have more meat than they know what to do with. And they do, they gorge themselves on it. And as a result, they make themselves sick. Because they're so like, oh, meat, 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 meat. And so yeah, it... it, it pops out of their nose because they're gargling it down and, uh, and then, and then the, eventually the, the smell of it and the taste of it becomes uh, horrible because they've had so much and so then they, they're, they're nauseated, they vomit. Ready for Halloween? Yeah. I know I am. Ooh. Yes. It's uh, another one of my favorites. Uh, I have my little slaves go out for a couple hours. They come back and bring me candy. <laughs> Thank you, friends. It's great. Uh, every year, the same thing happens. They, they, I help. They get bags so filled that uh, you know they can't carry them, so I have to carry their bags. They get back, and all the kids are there, and they're like, Daddy, 
can we have some candy? And what do I say? I would say no, but that would be a little bit over the top. So I say yes, but you can only have three pieces. And then you must go to bed. But there's a part of me. And the reason, of course, is because if they, they have three, they go to bed, and I take the bags, I put them where I can find them, and then I can have as much candy as I want. But they don't know that. Or maybe they do. Do they know? They probably know. They're pretty bright. <laughs> they figured it out. What I would really like to do, though, just once, just once, be like, oh, yeah, you can have candy. You can have all you want. <laughs> oh, no, don't stop. Another Snickers, please, Alice. Oh, oh, are you feeling bad? Have, have some more Skittles. <laughs> Remember once uh, Christmas, a uh, family was over. I don't eat uh, sweet Entenmann's type stuff anymore because this Christmas we had those sweet, whatever they are. What is that called? A cinnamon bun? Cinnabon? Whatever it is. We had a bunch of those. And then we got ready for presents. I was so pumped up and so sugared up that I vomited all over the place. <laughs> so I would love, just once, to just be like, go ahead, girls. Because <laughs> then I would never have to deal with it ever again, right? They would learn their lesson. They would look like this. And then the, the next time, they, they, they'd be like, Daddy, can I have just three pieces of candy? I'm like, of course, honey. Good, you learned your lesson. God does exactly the same thing to Israel. Again, treating them like little children. He's like, oh, oh, does Poopy Bear want some meaty meats? Okay, here you go, hon. Have as much as you want. Every day, gorge yourselves. Keep going. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you like that, do you? Why? Because God wants them to understand something. I, I wasn't denying you meat to make you miserable. I was teaching you something. I was teaching you how to be satisfied with what I give you. Because when you're left to your own devices and you get what you want, that turns out bad for you. I have chosen to give you what you need instead of letting you have what you want. It's next thing here, no cheats. By giving them too much, God shows Israel that he could give them what they want, but chooses to give them what they need. One of the sad facts about um, human beings is that when we get everything that we want, we um, destroy ourselves. And one of the sad things about our culture is that we have so much, um, and we don't even un remember or have any concept of what lack is anymore, that... Um, we, we can't even focus on important things. We, our culture is just rife with um, just want, 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 more, 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 me, 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 me. And a huge part of it is because nobody in this country has ever really known what it is to be hungry. I don't want to say nobody. There's some people, but very, very few. And uh, historically speaking, almost nothing. So if you kind of step back from the, the story of entitlement, you, you can see that there's, like a, there's, there's, a, there's sort of a theme that's going through, right? And the theme, the theme is this, that, that people left to themselves, uh, they think they know what they want, they think they know what they deserve, but they're completely wrong, right? We're completely wrong. When we think we know what we want or deserve, we're, we're completely off the reservation, Right? Moses wants to die. The people want meat. They think they deserve these things. They think they know what they deserve. 
But really what God exposes is that what they deserve is something completely different. And God is very kind to them, very gracious. He gives them what they need. He gives them what they don't deserve. Freedom from Egypt, all what they need to survive. He gives them what they don't deserve. And he does it because he wants to free them from what they do deserve. Right? God could give them meat over and over and over again. God could give Moses everything that he wants. But instead, God gives uh, them what they need so that they don't end up destroying themselves. And if you're paying really close attention, you might notice that that's actually the story of Christ. That's the story of the cross. Right? We think that we deserve to have a wonderful life and to be happy and, but what we really deserve is death. We deserve to walk around with death inside of us. But God gives us what we don't deserve. He gives us life in Christ. And he does it to free us from what we do deserve, which is death. And so at the very beginning of Scripture, and you can see it all the way through, the story of God giving us what we don't deserve to free us from what we do deserve is there. He gives Israel what they don't deserve, freedom and everything they need to protect them from what they, don't, what they do deserve, which is self-destruction. And God gives us what we don't deserve in Christ and in the eternal life that he provides through faith so that we can be freed from the death we would all rather walk in. So I'll leave you with that. God gave me what I don't deserve to free me from what I do deserve. Let's pray. Gracious God, we, um, we confess that you, we're entitled people. We demand and we think we deserve and we, we forget just how gracious and good you have been to us. And God, we also confess that in your goodness and in your grace, you've given us Christ and you've given us life, something we don't deserve, to protect us and free us from the death um, that we do deserve. God, I pray that um, our church and our communities will, um, will transform entitlement to gratitude, that we'll... Um, receive freely what you have to give us uh, and, and not ask for anything more than what you deem us to need. Uh, may we be able to live uh, simply and joyfully and in that um, be a light and a beacon to a world that is always craving and craving more and more. In Jesus' name, amen.